Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Amazing Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast equivalent of taking too much Robitussin and doing donuts in the parking lot of an Old Navy. I am Jared Stormer of AmazingBrew.com, coming to you solo for this week's podcast as my better half and hetero life mate Andy Bailey is off gallivanting in Eastern Europe somewhere. This week you'll be stuck with me and my dulcet tones. But not to fear, I actually have the pleasure of talking about a Michigan victory this week. So we're going to get through this, and with some enthusiasm, I might add, after Michigan defeated Western Michigan 47-14 to last Saturday in what had to be, no matter what your metrics were for this game, a pretty satisfying victory over an opponent that should contend in the MAC. It's the Mac. I get it. It's Western. It's at home. We're not going to overreact too much, but we're going to overreact a little bit to this. As I said, 47-14 was your final on Saturday. I've got a lot to take away from this. Now, if you want the actual breakdown of the game and a little bit more of the X's and O's and some of the stats, go check out uh, Anthony Broom's recap that he put up right after the game. We've got plenty more content over at Maze and Brew if you want to you know, look into that game a little deeper. I'm just going to talk about what I saw on more of a surface level, and I'm going to start with some standouts. Uh, let's start with maybe the most obvious one. There's a couple candidates, but Blake Corum. Guys, he's just different. Um, I'm going to harp on that. I'm going to say it a couple times in this. We haven't had someone like Blake Corum on this Michigan team in a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking of just all the playmakers that have come through in the last decade or so. 
guys that you think you can ride to a victory, they alone are good enough to get you an extra win or two, though they're rare. And Blake Corum is one of them. Uh, on this on this day, 111 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He has a 70-yard return, kickoff return that would lead to a field goal. Um, some of the first, you know, scoring. He opens the scoring for Michigan there. And obviously he's a point of emphasis. You know, first play of 2020 went to Blake Corum. You can see that both he and Haskins are going to be used a lot in this offense. And my level of excitement for Blake Corum is through the roof. Ronnie Bell, another standout. Looked like he was playing a completely different game. We're going to get into him later for obvious reasons, heartbreaking reasons. So I won't harp on that too much. But Ronnie Bell looked like one of the best players on the field on Saturday. Here's one that's maybe a little bit more under the radar. How about Eric All for a standout on offense? Eric All was the prime candidate for what Andy uh, has labeled the the revolving door of awfulness award, previously uh, an award we gave to John Runyon, only to be very wrong about him later on. We're hoping we're very wrong about what we thought Eric All was in 2020. There are glimpses of that. I'm telling you right now, in 2021, he looks to be a different player. First completion of the game goes to Eric All in a, in a bit of a slant route across the middle. Looks like a mismatch. Another standout, the O-line. And in particular, Andrew Vastardis and Ryan Hayes. Uh, the O-line, zero sacks and 300 yards rushing. It's going to be hard to complain about that, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, specifically, I had said in last Saturday's pod that one of the things I wanted to see was how this center position holds up and how it looks with Andrew Vestardis. He was the highest graded player by pro football focus on the line. The communication looked good. I didn't see him getting beat by his man at all, if ever, in this game. And it looks like we have something on this offensive line, an offensive line that's only going to get better when Zach Zinter is back fully healthy. Looked like he was in a soft cast in this one. So very, very pleased with the offensive line. Uh, very pleased with those guys that I mentioned. And one more standout. Cade McNamara. Now I want to take a minute to talk about Cade McNamara here because I think that the narrative has maybe shifted too much against Cade McNamara. Now let me let me explain what I'm saying here. No one's really coming out there, and I'm not hearing any anti-Cade things, but there's now rumblings of maybe JJ over Cade. And I get that. We're gonna get to that JJ McCarthy throw and you know his his whole day on Saturday, a little bit later in this podcast. But for right now, I want to talk about Cade McNamara. And that kind of is going to shade into my next segment, which is what am I confident about? What am I not confident about? So, so actually we'll, we'll take a second and I'll, and I'll just touch on the defense and then I'll get into that. Standouts on defense are Aiden Hutchinson and Dax Hill. That's about it right now. Okay. So that's pretty quick. Uh, I'll, I'll get into why I don't really have any other names yet. And those are the only two that I'm really confident on. Um, but those two stood out. Brad Hawkins on the defense needs to be a lot better, especially if you're going to wear number two in that secondary. And, uh, you know, Vincent Gray or Jamon Green kind of seems like the musical chairs of mediocrity there as far as who's the better quarterback. Cornerback, I'm not sure yet. So some standouts on defense, Hutchinson and Dax Hill, and then wait and see on some other guys. All right, this next segment, playing into what we did last Saturday, I asked Andy, what do you need to see to be confident moving forward? And what if you see as something that's going to be a red flag for you? 
Now, my answers for this were on offense. I wanted to see Andrew Vastardis, and I wanted to see how that offensive line looked in case it's not our top five guys. Do we have some depth there? I am confident with that. I can say moving forward, I think we're going to have a good offensive line. It could border on great. We'll see how these guys develop. I think you need Zach Zinter in there to reach that great level. What else am I confident about after this 47-14 victory? Now let's get into Cade McNamara. All right, Cade McNamara on Saturday. 9 of 11 for 136 yards, two touchdowns. Both of his incompletions tipped up the line. And then you've got a horrendous, horrendous offensive pass interference call against Ronnie Bell. The numbers could have been better, but it's hard to be much better than 9 of 11, 136, and two tutties, as well as being pro football-focused, highest-graded quarterback of the week. The number two, the number one and number two highest-rated QBRs in the Big Ten belong to Cade McNamara at one and J.J. McCarthy at two. Now, I'm certain there's some, some groaning about this being Western Michigan. You should put up those kind of numbers. Here's the fact, though. Cade McNamara has yet to throw an interception, yet to turn the ball over at Michigan. Okay, the, the quarterback that we'll be seeing this weekend, and, and I'll get to the Washington game, and Dylan Morris threw three in one game. Michael Penix Jr. threw three against Iowa. Cade McNamara hasn't thrown one yet. I think it's time that we start saying more than a game manager about Cade McNamara, and we start getting excited about the fact that he's our quarterback for the year. I'm not willing to entertain quarterback debate. You shouldn't be either. Not this year. J.J. McCarthy's coming. You can't stop him from coming. That's pretty obvious. But now we have a good quarterback, and I will say an above-average quarterback. I'm starting to hear some of this game manager things. But, guys, he threw two long balls, both to Ronnie Bell, both on the money. Those are throws Shea Patterson missed. You know, he was just Shea Patterson. Wherever you stand on Shea Patterson, his deep ball it was just always leaving just a little bit something to be desired. And he would miss by just slightly. It looks like Kate McNamara has that deep ball. Okay, so that's one. Two, I'm buying the leadership. Okay, I'm buying it. Everyone has said it. You saw it on the field. You saw the way he commands the huddle, the way that he tells offensive linemen what he'd like to see, the way he tells wide receivers what they could do better. I'm buying the leadership. And I'm buying the smarts. I'm buying that he has a good head on his shoulder. Do I think he's going to finish finish this season with no turnovers? No, that is unrealistic. Eventually, there's going to be a turnover, you know, especially if those balls are getting batted down at the line like that. That's going to happen. But could this guy be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten? Absolutely. Absolutely. And to prove my point, here's a list of quarterbacks Michigan will face, if you'll indulge me here. This is, this is who we've got as of week one, who it looks like we're going to be seeing. Next week, Dylan Morris of Washington threw three picks against Montana. The week after that, Rocky Lombardi. Please, please, don't, don't make me laugh. The week after that, Noah Vedral against Rutgers. An improved Rutgers team, but Noah Vedral, better than Cade McNamara? And eh, we'll see. All right, the week after that, Graham Mertz threw two picks against Penn State, looked completely lost at home. After that, Adrian Martinez, we, you know, we just talked last week about this Nebraska team, and Adrian Martinez has been there for what feels like a decade. Does he frighten me? No. Is he talented? Sure. Hunter Johnson, Northwestern, that's an interesting one. 
you know, highly rated, highly recruited, getting better. I need to see it more at North Northwestern. They lost to Michigan State. Peyton Thorne, Michigan State, I'm not buying it. I'll at least need to see more before you convince me. Um, you know, Northwestern lost a lot, a lot, a lot of players, especially in their secondary. So we'll see with Peyton Thorne. Michael Penix Jr., Indiana, three interceptions versus Iowa. Sean Clifford, the big red dog, mediocre. Turtle Tugalivoa, Maryland. I'm buying him, actually. That might be the first guy on this list where I'm like, oh, okay, that guy's better than Cade McNamara. All right, and then we end the season with Ohio State. Of that list, which guy are you pointing at and saying, oh, that guy is for sure better than Cade McNamara? Tugalivoa? Adrian Martinez? It's not a big list. There is a chance Cade McNamara could be the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year. It's a down year for quarterbacks, at least the ones that we see on our roster, I mean, you know, that we're going to play. I, I could buy it. You could convince me. It is not out of the realm of possibility. And that's something that I think we need to get on board with with Cade McNamara is it's time to stop seeing this guy as the bridge to McCarthy and start looking at him as the quarterback of right now. All right, so that's the first thing that I have confidence on moving forward. I, I think that you have an above-average quarterback in Cade McNamara. Moving on. Next thing I'm confident about, Blake Corum. I already mentioned it a little bit in the standout. Blake Corum is built different. I mean, he is a bowling ball with razor blades on it. He is a little bit of everything, whereas Haskins is going to run through you. Corum can run through you. He can get around you. He can make you look stupid out there. This is the future of the running back position. I'm excited by Haskins. I'm excited by Edwards. Blake Corum is built different. If he stays healthy, he's going to give this offense an edge we just haven't had in a while. It, he just is. And I, I'm buying it. I'm confident on it. Go ahead and take it to the bank. All right. Next thing I'm confident about, let's move over to the defense. There's still some questions on the defense. There's no doubt about that. I, you know, and I'll get to that in what I am not confident about. But right now we're talking about the positives. Mike McDonald is a positive. Him alone, I think, with the skill that we have on that defense, it's enough to make you competent. I'm not saying this is going to be the best defense in the Big Ten. I'm not there yet. I am still riding my prediction that this will be the most improved defense in the nation, especially since the two that I was really worried about, the other teams that might challenge there, would be LSU and Florida State. And both of them had some issues last week, uh, both of them going down. So Michigan in prime position to have the most improved defense in the nation. Mike McDonald, he, as advertised, showed a lot of looks. You know, from there being five guys on the line to there being five guys in the secondary, the way he used Josh Ross, the way he used Dax Hill, putting him up in that nickel slot closer to the line so he can be more impactful, the way he used Aiden Hutchinson and kept them confused. I am buying that Mike McDonald is a good enough upgrade from Don Brown to keep you competent. I won't go further than that yet, but he's an upgrade. All right. Other things that I am confident on, it's too early. It, it, that's about as far as I'm going to go on things that I can look at from Western Michigan and say, I am sure of, of this or I am sure of that. And you don't want to overreact either way here right out of the gates. 
So there'll be some other guys I want to touch on, on things that I think I might know at this point. But let's take a quick break here. Got to talk about our newest sponsors over at Homefield Apparel. They're out of Indianapolis. Some of the best sports where you're just going to get out there. It's it flat out is. As far as selection, as far as comfort, I like going with the old school stuff because I'm getting up there in years or so it seems. So I like going with the older designs, but they've got you covered. Licensed apparel company with anything that you're looking for in the college football game, and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, it's not all sunshine and roses, but I don't have too many too many negatives here. I still have some questions, though. So I gave you what I'm confident about. Here's what I still have questions about. And at this point, after one week, you should still be questioning most of what you saw. First thing, and maybe the most important thing, who is going to be the next guy on defense? You have stars in Aiden Hutchinson and Dax Hill. I said they were the standouts on defense. I didn't really want to go to anyone else yet because I haven't quite seen anyone that looks like, oh, that guy is going to be a stud. You know, the next best player on defense, if I had to say in that game, maybe Josh Ross, maybe David Ojabo, you know, Brad Hawkins made quite a few mistakes for, for a guy that's been there as long as he has been. Vincent Gray outplayed Jamon Green in this one, so those two keep going back and forth. What about on the line, though, where Aiden Hutchinson, pro football focuses, highest graded player on defense? Also, a little side note, I think PFF might might have some sort of connection to Michigan. They love Michigan players at pro football focus. They give a lot of love, especially to our D linemen. Um, but I digress. Here's the, the guys that I saw on defense on Saturday. On, uh, just on the defensive line, David Ojabo, Jalen Harrell, Mike Morris, Taylor Upshaw, Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, Braden McGregor, Rayshon Benny, and I believe I saw Welshoff and Spate as well later in the game too, Jess Spate. That is a lot of guys that they rotated in on the defensive line. And some of them were coming in early. Morris, Upshaw, Harrell, Hinton, Smith, McGregor. Those guys were coming off the bench early. Now, some of that is possibly because they like our depth, you know, and you want to get a lot of guys on the field. Definitely a good position to rotate guys in and out of, keep them fresh. I think, though, they're still trying to find that next guy. I don't know if they have it figured out who's going to be the pass rusher outside of Aiden Hutchinson because the double team started in week one and they are going to continue for Aiden Hutchinson for the rest of the year. It's just the way it is. He's too good. He's a first-round NFL draft pick. You can see it, the talents oozing out of him. He's going to be double-teamed and sometimes triple-teamed. Who's that next guy? That has to happen for this team, or the ceiling is much, much lower. Now, I like some of these guys. I think there was there was Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton moments. Saw it from both of them. Smith, you saw a little bit of it, but it wasn't very consistent, and this was against Western Michigan. The offensive line takes a huge leap next week with Washington. You're going to be able to get pressure. David Ojabo, moments, flashes, definitely speedy around the edge. Taylor Upshaw was my one of my picks uh, for a breakout player on defense. Didn't see much from him at all. Braden McGregor, not where Aiden Hutchinson was at, at his point in his recruitment for similar rated guys. Rayshon Benny, 
true freshman. I, I don't think you're going to see much of that this year. That's fine. But it's so I think it's got to be one of those guys. Ojabo, Mike Morris had a moment. Someone's got to step up. Now, getting those young guys reps early on, huge for the potential of this defense. It's huge. I'm glad that we were able to get those guys in there. They're going to need those reps. We need to figure out who that guy is. So getting them these reps is going to be critical. All right. Other things that I still have questions about. We were able to run all over these guys, and they had some missed tackles, and we had some missed blocks, and we're still able to get big plays, particularly the A.J. Henning touchdown. That's not going to happen against better teams. So don't, like they said all week, don't fall in love with their stuff. You got to get better. And those missed blocks, you know, those aren't going to turn into 74-yard touchdown runs all the time. Now, granted, at that point, we're a little bit deeper into the roster. Zach Zinter was in playing with what looked like a soft cast on his hand. So not the number ones necessarily, but don't fall in love with your stuff. Don't think you're going to be able to run all over everyone like that with those end arounds. All right. Now, it has to be mentioned because things that I'm less confident about, who's going to step up in the absence of Ronnie Bell? I had a moment. I texted Andy about this while he was in Poland. Ronnie Bell coming in for like three plays and then bowing out is the exact same as Moonlight Graham getting to play one inning before having to bow out to save that girl from choking on a freaking hot dog in Field of Dreams. You know, you travel across the whole country if you're if you're Kevin Costner. To ease this guy's pain, Ronnie Bell, whose pain at Michigan has been well-documented. He's had kind of a rough go of things between the, the drop at Penn State, some injuries, and just trying to get, like, I mean, last year, 2020, was a garbage season, and he's been there for what feels like four or five years. This was his year. He looked like he was playing a different sport than everyone out there. He comes in. He has an incredible one-handed catch that was a phantom pass interference, gets the touchdown, gets the punt return, and then bows out for the season. <sighs> Farewell, Moonlight Graham, a.k.a. Ronnie Bell. I love that man, and it is going to be hard for me to get over. That's just one of those injuries that absolutely makes you sick. I mean, he's a team captain, and his leadership, by all accounts, he's not going to let this torpedo the team. You know, just because of his character, you can't. Um, you know, right after he gets the injury, Hassan Haskins trucks a safety and goes in for, for a touchdown. And you could kind of feel some of the life return on the sidelines. But make no mistake, this is brutal. This is a brutal injury. And my question is, who steps up now? Uh, Andy, I mean, I got to give him credit for this. He likes Eric All, and I kind of like Eric All. Because if you're asking who's the next biggest mismatch... You know, maybe not who's the most talented next, because that might be Roman Wilson. That might be A.J. Henning. But who's the, the best mismatch that we have on the field? That might be Eric All. I expect him to get a lot more touches. What about Blake Corum? Not as necessarily your primary pass catcher, but as a mismatch. A guy that can get you a big play here and there, because it's, it can't all be, you know, running three yards in a cloud of dust. Can't be. So... I like Eric Hall. I like Blake Corm to step up. As far as the receivers, you know, next up is Cornelius Johnson. He's the next up as far as who you would expect to be taking those, those deep ball shots. And I like Cornelius Johnson. I thought he was going to have a big year this year. Is he better than Ronnie Bell? I'm afraid not. All right, so A.J. Henning, Dalen Baldwin, Roman Wilson. I mean, your time is now. 
So we'll be we'll be watching that. I can't wait to see against Washington. They've got a great cornerback in Trent McDuffie and great test this week. A great test this week against Washington. All right. Speaking of Washington, that's about all I've got to say about week one, what I'm confident in and what I'm not confident in. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into this Washington game, which got a little bit more interesting after their loss to Montana. Be back right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. Before we get on to Washington, I lied right before the break there and said I had said everything I need to say about week one versus Western Michigan. That is incorrect because we need a moment on J.J. McCarthy. Look, obviously on this podcast, we are pro-McCarthyism to the point we've even considered banning some books at times. We've, we've talked ourselves out of it, but this is a Senator McCarthy podcast and his time is coming. That play, that is the play we're all re-watching all week, it's the play that's being talked about on social media, was absurd. That's obvious. You don't need me to tell you that. But there was still some some freshmen in that, in that decision to make that throw and in the throws preceding that throw. That I just, you, that's why you got to temper it, but I'm not going to temper it too much because you see what's coming down the pipe. He is everything that we were hoping Joe Milton would be as far as that arm, but he actually has some touch early on. I mean, you can take a lot from the one throw or you can be more rational and not do that. I'm irrational, so I'm going to look at this throw. I'm going to watch it a million times. I'm going to break it apart because we've been waiting for the difference maker at quarterback. And while I was very effusive in my praise of Cade McNamara in the first part of this podcast, and I stand by that, J.J. McCarthy is different. Much like I said, Blake Corum is different. When his time comes, and I mean, we'll speculate wildly throughout the season. I'm not going to do it here, not without my not without my partner. But when it comes, it's going to be something that we haven't seen in a long, long time at Michigan, if ever. So that is a moment on J.J. McCarthy. All right, let's get to Washington. All right, Washington is coming to the big house this Saturday, September 11th, on the 20th anniversary. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Of September 11th, they will be coming into a raucous crowd at night in what, I mean, if any indication on last Saturday against Western Michigan, it's going to be, it's going to be loud in there and it should be. This is really where the big house can stand apart 
from some of its other counterparts. And I think it's as good as any in the nation at night. I think it's as good as any atmosphere that there is. I haven't been to Madison. I haven't been to a whiteout, but I have been to a night game at Michigan and man, it's special. So if you're going, make sure that you're wearing maize. It's uh, it's going to be a good one. And Washington did lose to Montana last weekend. Six FCS foes defeated their FBS counterparts in uh, in week one action, which is pretty, pretty crazy, especially if you remember the reaction after the Appalachian State loss. Like, this doesn't happen. It should never happen. Well, it, it actually does several times each year. Washington fell victim to a solid Montana Grizz squad out of Missoula in what, if you want to call them highlights, I went back and watched them. I would not call them that. It's a rough watch. Uh, 13 to 7 in that one. Washington scored on their first drive and then did not score again in what was just a dismal, dismal offensive performance for them. And this is not a win for us. Let me just say, I do not see Washington coming in with one loss as opposed to a win. And it would have been better if it was a resounding win, actually. I don't think that that benefits us in any way because. One, they're going to be hungry. They do not want to start out 0-2, even if it is out of conference. You know, you still got the Pac-12 schedule coming up. Nobody wants to start 0-2. I mean, for a program coming in ranked 20th, that's not going to sit well with the fans. All right. And and number two, I mean, now instead of having the number 20 team, and if they won convincingly and there was a lot of chaos in front of them, which there was quite a few, few, few upsets in there, you could see a case where, you know, now Michigan's playing the number 18 team in the nation, primetime game at night, at home, chance to show what we got. Now people may be, if you lose it, oh, well, that's the team that lost to Montana, like, and now Michigan lost to them. There's, it's, a, it's a lose-lose scenario for us. But nonetheless, you go out and you play the game, and, you know, I'm excited to see if they can maintain that edge with Washington not being the opponent maybe we thought they were. It's still a Power 5 opponent from a good conference and a really good defense. So, as I said, the game was was rough to watch, and there's just not much to speak on for Washington offensively. So let's start with the fact that I think this is going to be a good test for our offense against their defense. Uh, Jimmy Lake is a former defensive coordinator. He's there right now and if nothing else I think that you can trust that his defense is pretty good they got a cornerback in McDuffie that I think is going to be interesting especially no Ronnie Bell in there how does that match up fair for them and if Michigan can move the ball against this team and move the ball well that is going to just further my confidence in this offense as as the strength of this team and as a potentially really really good unit so Cade McNamara you know, after all the praise that I just heaped on him, here you go. You know, here here's a, a really good, really good defense. And I mean, that environment, it can be intense for the home crowd, too. You know, it's going to be a lot quieter when you're on offense as opposed to when you're on defense. I mean, we have pretty smart fans at Michigan. I have to imagine that that'll hold true. But it's, it's going to be an intense environment. Cameras are going to be on you. I expect Cade McNamara to perform well, even against a really good defense in Washington. But look, seven points against Montana. Is their offense going to be much of a test on our defense? I think they'll play better regardless on both sides of the ball. So yes, I do think that there's a lot to watch, especially 
what I'm watching and what I have to imagine all the NFL scouts that are going to be in attendance and watching on television will be watching is Aiden Hutchinson versus uh, Jackson Kirkland on the offensive line. He is a potential first rounder. Hutchinson, I believe, is a first rounder as well. That is must-see viewing. You got a couple of them over at uh, Ohio State. You've got Kayvon Thibodeau, if he can go, against Petit Frere. So another potential uh, Pac-12, Big Ten, uh, where you've got uh, 1v1 as far as uh, your best guys going at each other. So very excited to watch that matchup. And they should be able to run the ball better. Uh, I've got their stats right here against Montana. It's not great. They had 65 total rushing yards against the Grizz. Their lead back had 62 yards, averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, If they can't run the ball, they're in serious trouble. They've got uh, offensive coordinator, his name escapes me, it is John Donovan, who, if you'll remember, was over at Penn State and was fired after the uh, 2015 campaign when the offense kind of went stagnant. And uh, He is, uh, he's old school, and they're going to want to run this football, and they want their quarterback, Dylan Morris, to be more of a game manager. Uh, I, I hate that term. Let me come up with something different. They want him to put the put the offense in position to move down the field, stay on schedule, and get first downs and and maintain possession of the ball and not make too many mistakes. He made three interceptions against the Montana Grizzlies, so that's that, that's not boding well for what they're trying to do. They have to be able to run the ball, and they don't want him throwing the ball 46 times. He's 27 of 46 for this. His QBR was 8.9. That's that's nothing what John Donovan and Jimmy Lake want happening. They have a, a mismatch in Kate Otten at tight end. He's a guy to be watching, and you know, to be honest, I don't love any of our linebackers in coverage, so that does worry me. So I have to imagine they'll try and get him involved when they do try and throw, but they're going to want to run the ball. And, you know, I I already already spoke about my defensive line problem. It's not really a problem. It's it's an opportunity, we'll say. There's an opportunity at defensive line, and this will be a real test for them. This will be a real test for Smith and Hinton up front. It's going to be a real test for, for those linebackers as well. You know, how disciplined are you? Um, some of those mistakes Nakai Hill Green made against Western Michigan won't fly against Washington. Um, same same goes for Josh Ross, although Josh Ross played a pretty solid game overall, and I think he just is what he is in coverage at this point, but definitely still one of the better players on that defense. So this is going to be a good test, and I'm, I'm excited for this one. I hate sitting around all day to have to wait for the game. But when your reward at the end of the day is to even just to, to see the big house at night, I, I so wish I was going. But to just to see that, it'll be it'll be well worth the all-day wait. All right, some other Big Ten notes. I've got some, some overreactions here. And Nebraska and Indiana are my first two overreactions. They look like they're going to be a little easier than expected. That is probably a uh, that's a reach and that's maybe taking too much from week one but Nebraska we've seen two games now and I am buying that the Nebraska game is a bit easier but Indiana coming back down to earth was something that both Andy and I have locked in all season props to them for last year you know being one of the teams that didn't let the COVID year take them down too far and if anything Tom Allen should should be praised for that and I think he was 
but are they top three team in the Big Ten? No, I'm sorry. They're not. And yeah, they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Michael Penix Jr. will be better than he was against Iowa. But I think that some of the hype of him is maybe like a first round quarterback was I, I didn't see it. And yeah, so we'll see. They'll, they'll, they'll rebound. But I think that Indiana game's a little bit easier. Now, the other side of that is that I think MSU, Michigan State, and Maryland may be a tick higher in difficulty than expected. Uh, Michigan State, I, I don't know what to think of Peyton Thorne yet. Like I said, I, it's one game too early to say. They seem to like him. Kenneth Walker does look like he is a stud. I don't think they'll be able to run all over every team like that, but that's look, this is what Michigan State wants to be physical team that plays solid defense and can keep you in any game, they're going to be annoying to play. Maryland, uh, they're like the Atlanta Falcons of the Big Ten, and I'm always like, man, that offense looks like it could be dangerous, and it just never is, never amounts to anything because of a myriad of reasons, but I'm buying Turtle Tug of Iloa. I'm buying it. I think they got a good quarterback there, and I don't know how good that defense will be, but they're recruiting better. There's speed on that team. So tick up in difficulty for Michigan State, Maryland. I think Nebraska and Indiana may be a little bit easier than we were looking at at the beginning of the season. Um, Penn State and Wisconsin, we're going to have defensive games. You know That's why I really need to see this defense grow and see some guys step up because there's probably chances we're going to be in some defensive slugfests this year. So I, I don't know which team. I mean, Wisconsin just can't seem to get together together against Penn State, but I don't know what that's about. And uh, Ohio State continues to have the best of luck of, of anyone in the Big Ten. Kayvon Thibodeau gets injured right before their tilt, and even if he's going, I doubt he's 100%. And, you know, two of their opponents lose arguably their best scoring threats. Ibrahim uh, in that game, Muhammad Ibrahim, who was really running the ball well against Ohio State, goes out, and then they don't have to face Ronnie Bell anymore. So, Good for you. The And you got balls absolutely bouncing like basketballs into their defenders' hands for scooping scores still. Like, I don't know who sacrificed their soul to the devil to give them this luck, but good for you. And do we have anyone in Michigan willing to do the same? Because it, it might be time. But that's going to do it for me. I've, I've heard enough of my own voice for one day, so... We'll be back after what I hope is a, a Michigan victory, and you'll be back and looking forward to talking more Michigan football. Uh, if I didn't say it, I've got this one, Michigan 31, Washington 17. Uh, I think that it's going to be a, a resounding victory in the big house and wish I was going to be there. So that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. This is Out of the Blue reminding wherever you go, go blue.